0: please take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 and we will be reading from verse 22 until verse 33 and I have titled this sermon lack of focus on Jesus turns trials into mountains let us pray Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given me today to share the word with my fellow brothers and sisters. May you be the one in the center of this message. May they hear you and not me. And may these words, through them, that you can reach those that you intended for this message to reach. And most importantly, may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The main proposition or the main point of this sermon is that we want to answer the following question. How does Matthew use this story that we are about to read in our passage today. How does Matthew use this story to teach us that Jesus is indeed the Son of God and must be our focus, especially when we are facing trials and suffering. Many times I believe that we have been advised that we should talk to someone when we have problems. We have been told that if we open up to someone like our pastor, friend, family member, psychologist, and so on, it can help. And normally it does. The reason why it works is that we are either talking to someone who has gone through the same problem and have overcome it, therefore they know what to do, or we are talking to someone who has been taught how to handle problems like the one you have either way in opening up to these people we also open our minds to whatever solution they have to offer this helps for a simple reason that it removes our focus from the problem we are having to the solution you start focusing on the solutions to your problem instead of the problem itself by doing this the problem problem no longer looks as big as it did and now you are able to handle it but since the people you are contacting or asking for help from are also human they might fail to help you then what What happens when you have tried everything and anything and nothing works? Imagine having someone whom you can take all your problems to and they will never fail you. A solution might not always be what you wanted, but it will be the best solution for you without a doubt. Well, this message is going to attempt to make you understand and hopefully encourage you to not only look for solutions among your fellow people, but to look up to God for deliverance, not as a last resort, but as the first step that you should take. Before we get into our passage for today, Let us take a look at why Matthew wrote this gospel. Numerous studies have recently contributed to our understanding of Matthew's purposes. At the broadest level, we may say that Matthew's purpose is to demonstrate the following. One, to demonstrate that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Emmanuel. Secondly, to demonstrate that many Jews, and especially the leaders, sinfully failed to perceive this during Jesus' ministry. Thirdly, to demonstrate that the Messianic kingdom has already dawned, is already here, inaugurated by the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus. Fourthly, to demonstrate that this messianic reign, characterized by obedience to Jesus and consummated by his return, is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophetic hopes. Fifthly, to demonstrate that the church, the community of those, both Jew and Gentile, who bow unqualifiedly to Jesus' authority, constitutes the true locus of the people of God and the witness to the world of the gospel of the kingdom. And lastly, to demonstrate that throughout this age, Jesus' two disciples must overcome temptation, endure persecution from a hostile world Witness to the truth of the gospel and live in deeply rooted submission to, to Jesus' ethical demands, even as they enjoy the new covenant, which is simultaneously the fulfillment of old covenant anticipation and the experience of forgiveness bestowed by the Messiah, who came to save his people from their sins. And who came to give his life as a ransom for many. As you can see, there are at least six reasons why Matthew wrote this gospel. But, in our passage today, that is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. Matthew's purpose is to demonstrate that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the son of David the Son of God, the Son of Man, Emmanuel. Let us now look at the context of our passage. Our passage, Matthew chapter 14, from verses 22 to thirty-three, forms part of the bigger section, which ranges from chapter 13, verse 53, to chapter 16, verse 20. And here begins the last major section in Matthew's Gospel, before Jesus goes to the cross. Matthew has been consistently raising the question of Jesus' identity when the crowds marveled at his authority in preaching and healing. People have taken sides for and against Jesus in increasingly polarized fashion. But those closest to Jesus, that is his disciples, have not yet given an explicit definitive answer about who they think Jesus is. There are other themes in this section, but the most notable one is the increasing rejection of Jesus by Israel and the surprising openness to him among the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews. Within this bigger section that I mentioned, our passage forms part of an even smaller section which ranges from chapter 14 verse 13 to chapter 16 verse 12. And this section is tied together by two parallel feeding miracles and Jesus' summary reflection on them at first jesus continues to minister to the jews and we see that in chapter 14 from verse 13 to 36 then he turns from them the jews to the gentiles and we see this from chapter 15 verse 1 to chapter 16 verse 12. in each section the christological question continues to be sharply focused In this section, our passage is finally found in an even smaller section, which ranges from chapter 14, verses 13 to 36. And in this section, two major miracles demonstrating Jesus's power over nature are followed by a brief summary of his further healing activity. This section also contains The strongest Christological confession to date by his Jewish disciples. And we will see that in verse 33. For now, Jesus is still ministering in Israel and his Jewish followers acknowledge him as son of God, as we will see. And this section from chapter 14, verses 13 to 36, contains our passage for today which ranges, as I indicated, from verses 22 to 23. Therefore, we can see in this last major section of Matthew, before Jesus goes to the cross, that Matthew is concentrating on the identity of Jesus, that is, who Jesus is, and also how he is being rejected by the Jews. Our passage also forms part of this purpose of Matthew, and in this passage, Matthew is still showing through a miracle who Jesus really is. Turn once more with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33, and let us read the passage. And it reads, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God. Just to repeat, the main point of this sermon, the main proposition or the main point of this sermon is that we want to answer the following question. How does Matthew use this story to teach us that Jesus is indeed the Son of God and must be our focus, especially when we are facing trials? And suffering. We will be looking at four things we can learn from this story. And they are one, how Jesus deals with trials. Two, how the disciples deals with trials. Three, Jesus' response when we are faced with trials. And four, how we are to respond. When we are faced with trials. Let us look at the first lesson. And it is. What do we learn. About how Jesus. Deals with trials. Turn with me to Matthew. Chapter 14. Verses 22 to 23. We will only read. Up to the first half. Of verse 23. And it reads. Immediately he made the disciple get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. The story in Matthew, this story in Matthew comes after Jesus had miraculously just fed 5,000 men, excluding women and children, with five loaves and two fishes. John tells us that, and by John I mean in the Gospel of John, John tells us that when the people saw this miraculous sign, the crowd acknowledged Jesus as the prophet who is to come. This is probably in reference to Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, where God said he will raise a prophet like Moses among them. The crowds did not stop there. John tells us that they also decided to forcefully make Jesus the king. Although Matthew does not tell this to us, John tells us that when Jesus became aware that they wanted to forcefully make him king, he withdrew to the mountain by himself. Matthew tells us though Matthew tells us though that before Jesus went up to the mountain he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Therefore, we can see that the most probable reason for dismissing the crowds and the disciples had to do with the crowds wanting to forcefully make him king. It is also possible that the reason why he dismissed the disciples was so that they do not become part of the hashtag let's make Jesus king movement, to put it in the modern day language. There was this movement, hashtag let's make Jesus king, that was starting, and Jesus could not allow that. So far in the story, we learned that Jesus was faced with a crowd that wanted to forcefully make him king. There were 5,000 men who wanted to forcefully, underline forcefully, who wanted to forcefully make him king. Just imagine 5,000 men. All having one thing in mind, and that is, you will become our king whether you like it or not. They had made up their minds, and now they were going to implement the plan. Since their plan was clearly contrary to God's plan, Jesus could not allow this movement to succeed. Jesus first started by commanding his disciples to get on the boat and go before him to the other side. While the disciples were getting in the boat and sailing away, Jesus also dismissed the crowds. Once Jesus finished dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus faced a hostile hostile crowd of 5,000 men. Jesus did what he could by dismissing both the crowds and the disciples. Then Jesus went to the Father. pray by himself. When Jesus, we see Jesus, when he was about to be arrested, again going to the Father to pray. Matthew in chapter 26, verse 36 to 46, tells us that Jesus' soul was very sorrowful, and he prayed to God. So we see that when Jesus was faced with trial, was faced with situations he turned to god for prayer he focused on god and he turned to god for prayer jesus even told his disciples to pray that they may not enter into temptation so what are we learning from this what we learn here is that when jesus is faced with trials He does what he can, but ultimately he turns his focus from the trial itself and focuses on God in prayer. How does this apply to you and I? Do you focus on the problems and forget about God? When trials come your life when suffering come your life when persecution faces you is your focus on the trial on the persecution on the suffering on that that is causing you distress on that that is causing you to worry is your focus there or is your focus on God in prayer Our goal as Christians is to be be Christ-like. And here Jesus shows us that our focus, even during trials, our focus, even during persecution, our focus, even during suffering, our focus, even during sadness, distress, should not be on what is causing us those, but it should be on God in prayer. Look at yourself. Today, ask yourself this question: Why, where does your focus lie when you are facing trials? And look at the example that Jesus is giving us, He faced trials. 5,000 men, hostile men who wanted to make him king. He could give them food for free. They were not going to allow him not to become king. But his first thought was to do what he can. But focus on God in prayer. Let's look at the second point. Now that we have learned about how Jesus deals with trials, let us go to our second learning point, And that is, what do we learn about how the disciples deal with trials? We've seen how Jesus deal with trials. Now, we'll see how, what we can learn from how the disciples deal with trials. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 from verses 22-23. twenty-six, And it reads, When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said it is a ghost and they cried out in fear. Matthew starts this second scene of the the story by indicating that it was now evening and Jesus was still alone on the mountain but the disciples were now a long way from the land into the sea. Matthew also tells us that their boat was beaten or tormented by the waves. Mark says they were making very little headway. And by Mark, I mean the Gospel of Mark. That they were making very little headway because the wind was against them. John, the Gospel of John, says that the sea was rough because a strong wind was blowing. John also says it was dark. Now most of of the men on this boat were professional and experienced fishermen and they knew the sea very well. They knew when they were facing danger and when they were not. Matthew, however, does not indicate at this point whether they felt that they were in danger or not. So, we have the disciples alone in the dark, in the middle of the sea, on a boat with a strong wind against them, such that they made very little headway, and with the waves tormenting their boat. So the boat was being hit from either side by the waves because of the wind. While in this setting, while it is dark, while they are in the middle of the boat, while the wind is beating against them and making it very difficult for their boat to move forward and the waves tormenting their boat, between three and six in the morning, Jesus decided to go to them. And he was walking on water. And they saw him. When they saw him, the poor disciples were terrified. They thought that they were seeing a ghost. And they cried out in fear. That is, they screamed at the top of their lungs. Imagine 12 grown-up men screaming like that. That must have been a sin. The whole setting was just right to scare them to death. It was dark. They were alone in the middle of the sea. The wind was very strong and against them. The waves were tormenting the boat and as if things could not get any worse. Between 3 and 6 a.m. 6 in the morning, here comes a person walking on the sea. Would you not have been scared out of your skin? I know I would have. The disciples were completely overcome by fear to the point where they screamed very loudly. They were facing a trial. A trial that they did not think they can overcome. Their response to this trial was fear. They were terrified. Their response to this trial was we are doomed. There is no hope that's it that is the end of us all they could do was scream and be fearful and hopeless I can just put myself in there I would have done the same I would have screamed I would have been in fear let alone the fact that I can't even swim So what do we learn here? We learn that when faced with trials, the disciples resorted to fear and hopelessness with a touch of screaming somarhoid into it. At this point, we see a big contrast. When faced with trials, Jesus did what he could and ultimately focused on God in prayer. Whereas, when faced with trials, the disciples resorted to fear and hopelessness. How does this apply to us? What what can we learn from this? Are we the disciples? The reaction, the fear of the disciples during this mammoth, Time during this scary, terrible, terrifying time, was hopelessness. They had no hope. They believed they were doomed. Is, is that not how we behave? When we faced with trials, we resort to hopelessness. No one can help us. Nothing can help us. Especially when we have tried the doctors and we have tried those that, that, that do the Sangoma thing. They try the Sangomas and the traditional doctors and they try this, this the, the idea and they try that idea and nothing works. No one will say that we are bewitched. We will blame our aunts and our grandmothers for bewitching us. But ultimately, we will resort to hopelessness. There's no hope. I'm doomed. I'm cast. Throwing our hands in the air. Exactly how the disciples behaved. And that is not how Jesus behaved. Jesus did what he could. Regards to the tiles, he dismissed the cows, he dismissed the disciples, but then he turned to God in prayer. These Jewish men on the boat did not think about God at this point. God was the last thing in their minds, all that they were thinking of is, We are doomed, it is dark. The sea hush. It is three o'clock in the morning and there comes a person walking on the water. We are finished. That's it. That's the end of us. But at no point did they turn to God in prayer. Is this describing you? I know it's describing me. And if it is, you and I need to repent. You and I need to repent. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. When we are faced with trials, we should do what we can to deal with those trials. We should do what we can to deal with those situations and then leave the rest to God. Turn to him. Focus on him in prayer. And we should stop behaving like the disciples. Scream and throw our hands in the air. It is done, we are doomed. God is in control. God is in charge. Nothing takes him by surprise. We should follow Jesus' example, not the disciples' example. So far, this is what we have learned. We have learned about how Jesus responds to trials. We have also learned how in contrast the disciples' response to trials. Now let us learn how Jesus responds when we are facing trials. So the third learning point is, what do we learn about Jesus' response when we are faced with trials? Turn with me to Matthew 14, chapter 14, verses 27 to 30, And it reads, But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And came to Jesus but when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me Jesus could have left them in their misery they had already decided that they were doomed they had already decided that they were finished they were seeing a ghost He could have left them in their state of fear and hopelessness. Oh, but he did not. Matthew tells us that Jesus immediately, not later, immediately spoke to them. Commanding them that they need to take heart. That is, they need to be courageous. Because they are not seeing a ghost. They are seeing him. Jesus does not stop there. He also commanded them to not be afraid. When Jesus saw how fearful they were, when Jesus saw how hopeless they were, when Jesus saw how terrified they were, he took action immediately. Jesus did not wait, but he took action immediately to calm their fears down. The command from Jesus was be courageous and don't be afraid. It is I. When Peter saw Jesus, suddenly the safest place was no longer the boat, but it was where Jesus was. Despite the storm winds and the waves that were tormenting the boat and the darkness, in the water with Jesus, where he was, was suddenly the safest place. Peter responded to Jesus by saying that, Jesus, since it is you, then command me to come to you in the water. Command me to leave the safety of the boat and get into the water, into the raging sea into the raging waves, into the strong wind, in the dark to come to you. Where Jesus was, was suddenly the safest place and nothing, even the raging sea, was going to stop Peter from going to Jesus. Where it was the safest place to be. Peter was convinced that it was better to be with Jesus during these time times than to be on the boat. Peter placed his safety on Jesus and no longer on the boat. Oh, how we can learn from this. Peter's focus at that point was I need to be with Jesus. He was completely focused on Jesus and being with him Jesus Jesus responded to Peter's request by saying, Come. Matthew tells us that Peter got off the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. Peter was an experienced fisherman who knew the sea very well. He knew it was dangerous to be on the sea, in the water, when the wind and the waves were in that state let alone climbing off the boat but peter's focus and trust was on jesus and he trusted and focused on jesus so much that despite the danger he got off the boat and walked on water and came to jesus the question is would you have done it would i have trusted jesus If Jesus said to me this, I, would I have trusted him enough to climb off the boat and walk on the sea? Would I? Would you have trusted Jesus Christ? When walking on the water towards Jesus, unfortunately, Peter's focus shifted from Jesus and onto the wind. And he became afraid and he began to sink and he screamed again for jesus to save him peter lost focus peter stopped trusting peter became once more fearful this same peter that trusted that focused on jesus christ who, who trusted jesus enough who focused on jesus enough to, to, to trust that he can get off the boat and walk on the water. This same Peter lost that focus, lost that trust, and he began to sink. And he screamed again Jesus, save me. Lord, save me. When his focus and trust was completely on Jesus, Peter could overcome his fears. But when he lost focus and placed it on the trial, he was facing. He was overwhelmed by the trial and became fearful. Only if Peter continued to focus on and trust in Jesus, but he did not. So what do we learn from this? First, we learn that when the disciples were faced with a trial and they were fearful and hopeless, Jesus acted immediately to deal with their fear. This should bring comfort and courage and strength to you and I to know that our Lord acts immediately he might not give us the answer we want but he acts immediately we might not even see that he has answered us because we are probably looking for something that is not in line with his will but because he knows best he does answer us and he does it immediately Jesus does not sit back and watch us suffer. He does not sit back and watch us be afraid. He does not sit back and watch us in anxiety, in distress, in hopelessness. He acts immediately. This is very comforting. This is very strengthening. That whatever problems you are facing now, know that Jesus has already acted. We just need to trust him. We just need to focus on him. We just need to know like Peter did, that the safest place to be is with Jesus Christ. That nothing in this world is safe. Nothing in this world can be more safe than Jesus Christ being with jesus where he is it doesn't matter what we need to go through to get to him where he is is the safest place to be you and i need to know that today that the safest place to be is with jesus christ nowhere else secondly we also learned that when his focus and task complete was completely on Jesus, Peter could overcome his fears and face his trial head on. But when he lost focus, he was overcome by his trial and resorted to fear. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, when our focus is on Jesus Christ, trials, sufferings, problems, you name it, do not compare Do not overcome us when our focus and trust is on Jesus Christ. How we can learn from Peter. Peter was able to get off a boat into the water, in raging seas, in raging waves, in the dark, three o'clock in the morning, to walk on water, to go to Jesus. Because he believed and he trusted. And his focus was on the fact that where Jesus is, is the safest place. Dear brothers and sisters, we can learn from Peter. Do we trust Jesus enough to walk on water? To get off our boat? To get off our comfort zone and venture into the unknown? Do we trust Jesus? Is our focus on Jesus enough for us to get out? Is our trust in Jesus enough that we can get out of our comfort zone? What we have learned so far is that we have learned about how Jesus responds to trials. We have also learned how in contrast the disciples respond to trials. We have also learned how Jesus responds when we are facing trials. Lastly, let us now learn how Jesus wants us to respond when we are faced with trials. So the fourth learning point is What do we learn about how we are to respond when we are facing trials and suffering? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 31 to 33. And it reads, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. On failing to keep his focus and trust only on Jesus, Peter decided to shift his focus to the wind. He began to sink and was overcome by fear and began to ask Jesus to save him. Jesus could have left him to sink, but he did not. Jesus still acted immediately, reached out his hand and took hold of him. Although from what Jesus said to Peter afterwards, we can see that Jesus was not very happy with what Peter did. Jesus described what Peter did as the actions of what of one who has little faith because he doubted. What did, why did Peter doubt? Or what did Peter doubt? What is it that Peter doubted? Peter doubted whether he was safe in the water. Remember that Peter said to Jesus that since it is him He must command him to come to him. And Jesus did exactly that. Peter was walking on top of the sea and going towards Jesus. Despite this reality, Peter still doubted his safety when he saw the wind. He was not sure if Jesus or even his presence will save him from the wind. Peter still did not know who Jesus was. Oh yes, Jesus, you can... Be powerful enough to make me walk on the water. But this wind, this wind, Jesus, is too powerful. You cannot handle it. You cannot handle it. Peter had not yet placed his faith in Jesus. As God who is sovereign even over nature. Who is in charge of nature. Who is in control of nature. So, Jesus saved Peter. But still rebuked him for a lack of faith. Because he doubted. Jesus then went into the boat and the wind ceased. It is not clear for Matthew or Mark or John whether the wind ceased because of Jesus. But that is not what Matthew was to focus on. He, focus, he focuses on the realization that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And this is one of the reasons why Matthew wrote this gospel. The disciples finally proclaimed whatever it is that they meant with this statement it doesn't matter at this point. But what's important is that they have finally realized that Jesus is indeed the son of God. Only the son of God can do what Jesus did. As I say what they meant by the Son of God then, because we know that they still had reservations, it wouldn't matter. But Matthew's point here is, what Jesus did made them realize that truly, he is the Son of God. The question to you is, do you recognize Jesus as a Son of God? The disciples should have trusted Jesus. Do you trust Jesus? Peter's focus, the minute he stepped on that sea, should have remained on Jesus, no matter what. Where is your focus, my brother and sister? Where is your focus currently? Is it on your sufferings? Is it on the problems that you have? Is it on the persecution that you are facing? Or is it on Jesus? Where is your focus? Do you trust Jesus? Are you focused on him enough? Or are you focused on your problems? If Peter trusted Jesus to let him walk on the water, he should have trusted Jesus to save him from the wind. But he doubted Jesus' power he doubted who Jesus is that's why he thought the yeah the walking on the water maybe but the wind no 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 Jesus I that's asking too much you can't handle this wind and therefore focusing on you at this time that's not the case there is no suffering there is no trial there is no problem that is bigger than Jesus Christ what do we learn? from this? Well, we learn four things. First, we learn that once our focus shifts from Jesus to trials and sufferings, the trials and sufferings become a mountain we cannot overcome. Once our focus shifts on Jesus and goes to our problems and goes to our issues, those issues suddenly become so big that they start to overcome us. But when our focus is on Jesus Christ, these problems are nothing. They are nothing. Secondly, we learn that no matter how big the trial and suffering might be, shifting our focus from Jesus to the trial is a huge mistake. We cannot afford To shift our focus on Jesus Christ and on the problems and on the suffering and on the issues that we have. We can't. It's a mistake. Learn from Peter. He nearly drowned. Because he shifted from Jesus to the problems. Thirdly, We learn that Jesus does not want us to have little faith and doubt when going through trials and suffering. Jesus wants us to hold on to our faith. He wants us to trust in Him. He wants us to believe in Him. Even when we go through trials, even when we go through suffering, even when we feel that things are difficult, there's Jesus Christ. Our faith in Him must be our stronghold. Our focus must be on Him. We must do what we can. But our focus, our trust, must not be on our abilities, but on Jesus himself. And fourthly, we also learn that although from time to time, we might fail to focus solely on Jesus when we are facing trials, Jesus will still not abandon us. He will still save us. Yes we might fail to focus on Jesus Christ. Sometimes we might find ourselves focusing on the problems. But when we turn to Jesus and cry out for help, oh brothers and sisters, he will never abandon us. He will be there. He will act immediately. Let us never ever think that Jesus is not there when we are facing trials. It is especially when he's acting when we are facing trials. He will never allow us to go through those trials alone. Ours, our response is to focus on Him. Our response is to trust in Him. Let us never allow whatever kind of problems we might be having, whatever kind of issues we might be having, whatever kind of things that might be making us to be hopeless and distressed and and anxious, we should remember one thing, that if we focus on those things, we will drown like Peter. But if we focus on Jesus Christ, we will walk on water. So the question is, are you going to drown or are you going to walk on water? The choice is yours today. Choose to walk on water. Choose to focus on Jesus Christ. Choose to trust in Jesus Christ. Choose to believe that the safest place to be is with Jesus. But the only way you can do that is if you repent from your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are an unbeliever this morning, Your first point is to repent and to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because without that, the safest place to be is not with Jesus Christ. I can promise you, because he is going to send you to the lake of fire. But if you are a believer, if you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ today, now, then the safest place to be is with Jesus Christ. When the world has failed, the safest place to be is with Jesus Christ. Even when we're facing COVID-19, the safest place to be is with Jesus Christ. Even as our kids go to school, the safest place to be for your children is with Jesus Christ. As we go to work during this COVID-19, as we go to the malls, the safest place to be Is with Jesus Christ let's do what we can let's follow the regulations let's wash our hands let's put on our mask let's sanitize let's make sure that we follow every regulation that the government tells us to do because as Christians we are commanded to obey but don't lose this point that your trust ultimately your focus ultimately is not on your abilities but on Jesus Christ himself. Oh, what a Savior we have. Therefore, overall, we have learned the following. We have learned about how Jesus responds to trials. We have also learned how in contrast the disciples respond to trials. We have also learned how Jesus responds when we are facing trials. If you have missed everything I have said, Take this point. When we face trials and suffering, no matter how big, shifting our focus from Jesus to the trials turns the trials into a very big mountain that overcomes us and brings us fear. In conclusion, I just want to give you a practical example. When you are faced with trials and suffering, first identify as best as you can what the cause of the trial is. Second, identify what it is that is in your power to do to try and deal with the trial and suffering. Thirdly, what you cannot handle, what is beyond your power to handle, what is beyond this world to handle, send it over to God. let him deal with that remember that first Peter chapter 5 verses 6 to 7 tells us that God sees us as arrogant if we do not send our problems to him God actually sees us as arrogant people as people with a lot of pride if we don't take our problems and send it to him he tells us in that verse that he cares for And when we don't turn to him with our problems, he sees us as proud, arrogant. He wants us to take our problems to him. Brothers and sisters, let us learn from Peter. Let us learn from how Jesus responded to the trials. Let us learn from Peter's strength. And let us learn from Peter's weakness. We discussed four learning points how Jesus deals with trials, how the disciples deal with trials, Jesus' response when we are faced with trials, and lastly, how we are to respond when we are faced with trials. May this message find a suitable place in your heart and bear fruit. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and I hope this message will truly be helpful to you.